Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. This is Chris Francis, guest host for the uh, Under the Weather Nate Smith, and we also have a Korean takeover here with Elijah Kim joining me in the uh, podcast studio resort, CTB Podcast Studio Resort. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Good, man. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I think so. I think it's been almost two months, right? <laughs> Uh, we should not have said that out loud, but yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean a lot. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, let's catch up a little bit. How was your, uh, <laughs> how was your, uh, how was your, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, uh, Christmas, oh, it New Year's? No, it wasn't that long, but, uh, it's been good to start. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't believe we're already almost in March. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, we're post All Star break, post trade deadline. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it's also just crazy to, you know, we might have witnessed the best Cavs uh, segment uh, stretch of the the Cavs post LeBron ever. Um, that's how good they've been, and yep. uh, thankfully they get a win tonight. Or I think we would have gone back to DefCon at least three <laughs> tonight. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So we just witnessed the Cavs uh, take it, or they were able to get an ugly loss in the capital, in the nation's capital tonight, one fourteen one oh five over the the pathetic Wizards. Um, were you able to watch the game? Any instant reactions to the game here? Yeah, I mean, um, I I admittingly missed the first half uh, eating dinner, but tuned into the second half and. I was just so surprised. I was like, I don't think I see Dean Wade. I don't think I see Sam Merrill. And the team is not shooting a lot of threes. Um, It was good to see Donovan back, but I kind of felt like he was really passive. And it kind of felt like Darius was like waving him off, trying to get his own groove for a bit at times. But that's understandable given how ball dominant both those guys are. And obviously Mitchell is a little bit of foul trouble too, so... Um, just thought it was a, a weird game in terms of the Cavs. Not this is not what I remember the Cavs were doing before the All Star break, and it's just weird that after the break they've almost like regressed and take turned back the clock to the last year when they also struggled out of the gate. Yeah, no, I mean a lot of good points there. I'd say I don't know if Garland was waving Donovan off. I think it was a combination of Donovan probably not having his win back from being sick, um, and this is his first action post-All-Star break. I think also there was a concerted effort, I mean, especially in the first half, and it really didn't work at all. Um, it, there was a concerted effort, in my opinion, to get Garland and uh, Mobley and Allen uh, touches between the, each other and, and really pat, pound the paint. Take advantage of the size. Uh, take advantage of the size in the paint, and it just it worked on offense. But their defense was pathetic, and also they had so many turnovers. Um, interestingly, in the second, you saw it was good that you just missed the first half because it was awful. Um, the second half, they finally cut down the turnovers and started rebounding the ball, and that's kind of how they pulled away with the victory. Um, yeah, and, and that's been the trend. Um, that's been the trend over the past few games is somehow the three-point attempts have collapsed uh, post-All-Star break. Um, you know, uh, uh, it's frustrating because Darius Garland's one of the best three-point shooters in the game. And just somehow, tonight, I think, didn't he jack up nine attempts finally? Yeah, he finally did, and some of them were like kind of, you know, like doing some step back off the dribble stuff, but some of them were like, you know, catch and shoot, and I was glad he was willing to to do that because he typically is like a little more hesitant to do so, I feel like. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good sign. Hopefully, that's a sign of better things to come. Uh, It was funny also uh, seeing Karis Levert salvage what was an awful <laughs> three and a half quarters to play to really finish strong. <laughs> um, and it was funny. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see the Fedor article? What did you, what do you make of the Karis criticism as of late and in, in his uh, streaky play of late? Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, 
he's kind of the Cavs high variance guy. He can be, you know, eight for 10 from the field with three, you know, five assists, or he can be one for 10 from the field with, you know, four turnovers and nothing else, you know? So I think every good team has kind of that microwave guy. Um, so I, I understand the criticism and you'd want something a little bit more steady, especially, you know, he was announced as kind of a six man candidate after the all-star break from the NBA and whatnot. So I think he, you know, he filled the stat sheet up and, um, I think he's, he can be a maddening player because of some of that stuff. And I was just mostly upset with him when, uh, well, under two minutes to go, like he purposely caught the ball and like went to the corner immediately to get trapped, <laughs> and they had to burn a timeout. And I'm like, dude, you just had like salvaged this game, and now you just made it look like you just made yourself look so foolish because that's like the only thing you don't do when they trap you like that. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's funny because to me, uh, ironically, he's probably one of the most clutch players on the Cavs to, to be honest, uh, you know, he's had some glorious moments in the clutch and it kind of felt like that's what happened today, uh, tonight again. But, uh, you know, it's funny because ultimately if you take his season on the whole, he's been, you know, he's been pretty, you know, he's been okay, but, uh, you know, it's, he still struggles with his shot. He still struggles to score. Um, the, the passing is still there, and, and, the, and it's nice that the rebounding is there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, you'd have to – it's it's funny. Um, you know, come on, Karras. You know, I've, I've been a Karras defender for a long time, so I need him to – I need him to – find some form here with the, especially with the shot you know that's what it seems to be missing in his arsenal right now he ended the season so good last year uh from three but it doesn't seem like he's got the three three point uh ball uh so far this year i agree i mean i thought last year his catching or even in this stretch when they've been hot his catch and shoot was like improving a bit um, but for some reason, I, I mean, definitely after the all-star break, he's been atrocious except for the fourth quarter tonight. Um, and you know, the three games or so, but, um, I just think I also, as much as I, you know, think that he can be a problem, I also don't think the Cavs do him any favors, right? Like they anointed him the starting small forward last year. Then they take him to the bench and now they want him to be like the six man. But then, which I think they've done a better job at kind of cementing him as a six man. Um, Cause even when Mitchell or Garland was out, they didn't bring him back to start. They brought a Coro in, you know, so I do think they've, the Cavs are, have a taken a better approach on, you know, more solidifying his role. And I think the ironic thing is one of the, uh, one of the things was uh, Karras's availability was kind of an issue as an NBA player, but now it's seemingly not the problem. It's just when he does play, he can have such yo-yo swings that make it difficult. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I know he's kind of been an Iron Man of uh, the Okoro sorts uh, for the Cavs, so that's good to see. Um, yeah, and uh, no, I agree with you that he's finally not getting yanked in and out and having his role change too much. So, you know, hopefully uh, he rounds into form at the end of the year. Um, going back to your comments, I mean, uh, what do you make of uh, the lack of Wade and Merrill playing time? It's got to be one of the most confounding things going on with the Cavs post-All-Star break. Um, the Cavs had so much success, especially with Dean Wade. I mean, uh, it, you know, Dean Wade is second on the team, I believe. Yes, uh, second among rotation players. The Cavs are a plus 10 whenever he sees the court with a 103 defensive rating. Um just an absolute dog on the defensive end. He brings uh, excellent rebounding and shooting to the table. You know, what do you make of the lack of playing time for Wade and Merrill? It's really frustrating. Um, I think I was, uh, I kind of had a hot take during the all-star break that I wanted to see the Cavs maybe go with Wade in the starting lineup instead of Struess just because of how good his numbers are. I feel like we we're not seeing that lineup a lot where he's kind of the the fifth starter. Um 
and I know they just spent a lot of money on Struess to kind of be that that player. But you know, I think Wade has definitely earned a permanent spot in the rotation, and I think the thing that confounds and compounds on my um, sorry, what compounds on my frustration is that the Cavs are playing Niang so much. Like those minutes can go to Dean Wade. It makes no sense to me why that hasn't been corrected or even tried out. It's I don't think I can remember a game honestly where um, when everyone's healthy that Niang gets less time than Dean. At the very least, it's been like a tie, and I just don't understand that at all. Yeah, no, it's it's very rare. I mean, it's, it's there may have been one or two games that I can recall this entire season where uh, Wade outpaces Niang for minutes, and it's just absolutely insane. I dropped some uh, stats in the uh, live thread tonight about Niang, and, and what's interesting about Niang, um, let me pull it. Let me pull the live thread up here. Apologies. Um, what's kind of crazy about Niang is he's tanking. He's tanking the effectiveness, basically, of uh, Isaac Okoro was the, the was the main one that I remember. Um, so uh, Yang and Okoro have over four hundred minutes together on the court this year, I believe. It's either a four or five hundred. Give me a second here to pull it up. Excuse me. Um, Uh, where did I drop the numbers? Oh no, where did I where did I put them? Good God, sorry. Okay, here we go. So the Cavs are plus ten in seven hundred minutes with Niang and Okoro off the court, and minus one in one point one five with them both on the court in over four hundred minutes. The thing of it is, is that Okoro is a plus eight without Niang on the court this season. <laughs> So Niang is single-handedly tanking Okoro's effectiveness on the court, it appears. Another number is Okoro and Wade are a plus 11 in 500 minutes on the court. Wade's plus 10 without Okoro, and Okoro's minus 0.05 without Wade. So basically, what, what these numbers say to me is that Wade and Okoro need to be on the floor together for Okoro to be effective, and Yang just needs to be out of the picture. Um, what, what do you, what's your take on these numbers that, you know, uh, of the calculate, uh, calculator rat machinations? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think that doesn't surprise me, but I, you know, archetype-wise, I do understand why you play Okoro with Niang, because Niang probably gets hunted a lot defensively, and that's why you pair him with Okoro. Um in a weird way, I think I would even pair Wade and Niang together because I feel like Wade's defensive abilities can kind of help mask Niang's problems. But that does not surprise me at all because it just feels like every time Niang plays a lot, the Cavs you know don't really push ahead. They might tread water. He might make a lot of threes, but as much as he scores, you know, the other team might be getting it back on him or because of attacking him in some way. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest, to see how bad or how negative Niang's impact is on the Cavs. Here's a, here's, so you mentioned Niang and Wade pairing. 200, over 200 minutes on the court with Wade, uh, Niang and Wade on the court has resulted in a minus nine net rating for the Cavs. Dean Wade without Georges Niang is a plus 16, over a plus 16 on the season in over 700 minutes. Is is there any player that Niang's positive with? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I Let's, uh, you know, uh, um, we'll try Sam Merrill. Uh, okay, Sam Merrill. 300 over 400 minutes with Sam, Sam Merrill, Georges Yang is a plus three. Um, so Sam Merrill's the one, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and Evan Mobley is they're basically it's it's a technicality 0.23 positive net rating. Um, so there's precious few guys that actually match up with, uh, Niang. 
uh, Jared Allen, uh, nope. Uh, Jared with Niang with Jared Allen is a minus two point five. Uh, Jared Allen is plus a nearly plus twelve without him. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of ins- okay. So the so there is okay. So I found the magic one. So Georges Niang with Donovan Mitchell is a plus ten in over four hundred minutes. Yeah, I was. I had a feeling that that would be the case. That was the one. Yeah, because they they probably have that chemistry. Uh, but that being said, um, there has to be other players Donovan play, plays with that's well above that number, right? I mean, Don. Yeah, Donovan's just. I mean, he's a he's leading the team in net rate uh, net rating on the season. There's probably very there's precious few lineups where he sucks. So, but uh, you know. Uh, it would be interesting. Now you've given me an idea. I want to see. Uh, so Donovan Mitchell with Dean Wade um, is a plus 14. <laughs> so even, even, yeah. So it, it's hard to find a, it's just crazy how Dean Wade just keeps on. It's just now we're going on two seasons of him consistently. The team performs well when Dean Wade's on the court, yet he cannot consistently find minutes is really the bottom line here, I think. Uh, I mean, but last year, to be fair to JB, he was hurt and not that's as true. good. But right. this year, I feel like there's really no excuse. So that's what makes it even more kind of frustrating, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well said. Um well, when we come back, uh, we'll uh, dive deeper into the Cavs' uh, streak and uh, recent play. Uh, we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Cavs, the podcast. It's the Korean takeover with yours truly, Chris Francis and Elijah Kim. Uh, shout out to Nate Smith. Get better soon. My goodness. Uh, he's been out of commission for a bit, uh, sad to say. Um so we're back talking Cavs basketball. And uh, so we got Eli, so we got to talk some slop here. Cavs didn't make any <laughs> moves at the break um, or at the deadline. Um, there, uh, I don't know if you caught the Kobe press conference, but he said there were um, some considerations, but ultimately didn't make a move. I don't remember who was reported at the time uh, who the Cavs were interested in, but they did not pull the trigger. And obviously, you know, it was hard to pull the trigger, hard to justify pulling the trigger when the Cavs were absolutely cooking, you know, as you said, best stretch since in the post-LeBron era. Um, so what's your reaction to not making any moves, uh, your reactions to any of the people that were rumored to be uh, in the Cavs' uh, uh, bullseye and just uh, kind of your uh, overall um, reaction to the Cavs' deadline? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of expected with how hot they were. Um, given they were super hot, I didn't think they were going to make a move, and they didn't. Uh, it was interesting that, that I thought the biggest target, um, that maybe most realistic guy was Royce O'Neal, and I felt like the Suns gave up a lot to get him. So that's, you know... What was the trade pro- for Royce O'Neal that they made? I think they gave up... Multiple second round picks. Um, let me see here, real quick. Um, so Royce O'Neal went to the Suns for um, basically from the Suns. They gave up three second round picks and Keith Bates Diop and Jordan Goodwin, and then the Grizzlies uh, threw in David Roddy, and the Grizzlies got like a first round pick swap and Yuta Wat- Watanabe and Metu. So pretty big trade. I mean three. Three uh, second-round picks, that's a lot more than I think Royce O'Neal would have gone for, so I'm okay without making that move, to be honest. Um, I thought the Cavs were maybe also sneakily wanting a guy like Kelly Olynyk, but obviously for maybe Kevin Love reasons, they didn't even contemplate that. And then I thought they also were thinking about I forgot. I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Fontecchio, I think. Um, I think that was oh, another right. player. That was another player that they were interested in as like kind of a buy low, uh, big. Um, but it is kind of interesting that they did convert um, Craig Porter Jr. and then they don't seem to have a you know plan to really play him or make him a part of the rotation right now. So 
another confounding thing, to be honest with you, because it's clear to me he got iced just before the All-Star break and basically hasn't seen the court since. And he was instrumental in the success of the Cavs during that streak, just uh, basically allowing the team to, you know, tread water uh, throughout that uh, stretch. I mean, you know, the uh, what's funny is everybody knocks his offense, yet the Cavs' offense was a 116.2 with him on the court. He's an insanely good passer. Um, he's a more efficient scorer than Karis LeVert. Um, but, uh, somehow, uh, and he's a better rebounder insane, much better rebounder than, uh, Isaac Okoro, for instance. Uh, so it's just funny. Uh, another, you know, it, it seems to me JB has trust issues with the younger players or the less experienced players. I mean, this is why he keeps on going back to the well with Yang, Levert, um, uh, you know, it just seems like the only, I mean, obviously the, the young guys he trusts are the star one, you know, star players when DG and Mobley, and perhaps they get too long of a leash, um, because they've, uh, had their struggles this season. Um, but, uh, at least they converted it. I think that's a good long-term investment at least. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. I think it's a great long-term investment. I think, um, you know, not to get too crazy ahead. Uh, even though I jokingly said we shouldn't get too far ahead, but you know, I think uh, maybe Craig is kind of the the role player point guard of the future uh, for yeah, as soon as next year, and you can you know look to maybe trade or clarify Levert's position long term for the team. Um, and I think I think it's you know low um, risk deal for the Cavs. They get what a uh, couple extra years and is a very tradable contract if he blossoms it's kind of a continuation lottery ticket so definitely a good move to convert and uh keep it going yeah absolutely absolutely uh so the Cavs um made it to the all-star break uh did you partake uh witness any of the all-star festivities this season <laughs> Uh, I mean, I did tune into the three-point competition, but obviously Donnie did not do well. Um, but it's all good. Um, can't can't complain. He was red hot going in. So, um, but how did Sam Merrill not get an invite? Better. Is what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, I think he just wasn't good, a uh, big enough name or popular enough yet. No, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so, and I mean, I think for the three-point contest, I think you kind of want to, you don't want to make like more and more guys not, uh, you know, enjoy the break. Um, so I think that was part of it too. Because I think even Dodman jokingly said Sam wanted to take a vacation or something, so. <laughs> nice, nice. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the slam dunk competition? Did you watch uh, Steph and... Uh, was it uh, Inescu? Sabrina. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did watch uh, the first half of the game, and I just thought this was like essentially unwatchable, to be honest, for the All-Star game. Um, so that was disappointing. But, uh, yeah, I turned it off at halftime. I just said this is like literally unwatchable. So, um, well, Adam Silver's just, NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's crazy how bad it's gotten. It's crazy how bad the All-Star game's gotten. And it used to be like one of my favorite things growing up. Um, so it's interesting because I thought they did a good thing by making it conference again, conference specific again. But then it laid an egg yeah. to start you know, with this year. So um was just more excited to kind of get back and was hoping the Cavs didn't lose too much mojo with the break, but obviously the first two games, severely disappointing <laughs> with Mitchell out. It almost makes you wonder, like, is it even worth it if you're... I think it was also crazy that right after All-Star break, all these guys that played in the games were just out. Um, like, for example, my uh, my girlfriend's brother 
was in the Bay Area and, and paid a lot of money to go to the Warriors-Lakers game, which was the first primetime game after the All-Star break. And then LeBron didn't play, which makes no sense to me because they just had like four or five days off. Yeah. Um, so that's just interesting. That was like a trend I noticed after the All-Star break this year. Yeah. And it, it, well, and it seems like there was a bug going around the league, I would have to say. I mean, uh, quite a few players have been uh, absent with sickness, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, I think there is an illness. Maybe all the All-Star players got it in uh, Indianapolis. But it's just interesting that um, it's not great timing after a lackluster weekend, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so moving ahead and, refer- and circling back to uh, NBA trade, de- trade deadline, any of the trades that you liked, any of the trades that you disliked, it seemed like it seemed kind of like a flop of a deadline, to be honest with you. No big names, I don't think, moved. Um, no blockbuster moves. No um, massive shakeups. Uh, what do you make of that? I was okay with it. Um, not every deadline has to have blockbuster moves um, for me. I, I enjoyed it. I thought, to me, the one that made me think a little bit was like the Raptors. They were like quasi still going for it, it felt like. Um, I really liked the what the Hornets did to kind of really actually start a rebuild. It felt like I think they got a lot for Terry Rozier. Um, and I actually really like what the Thunder did too. Um, I thought you know they made they didn't do anything crazy, but getting Gordon Hayward low cost, they have like so many draft picks that kind of doesn't matter. And then also swapping picks with Dallas so that Dallas could make another trade. Um, just taking advantage of little things here and there. I thought that was um, interesting. And I, I liked kind of what the 76ers did, even though obviously the Cavs want to be in position to race ahead of them. Because I think getting Lowry for, for nothing and then um, you know getting Buddy Heald, who kind of fits um, to juice their three-point volume, I think those were some smart moves that were made uh, at the deadline. Yeah, it seems like Buddy Heald's really taken off with uh, Philadelphia, from what I know, from what I understand. Well, it definitely feels like it as as Cavs fans because we saw him torch the Cavs twice uh, since, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Are there any buyout candidates that the Cavs should be interested in? I think Dinwiddie was probably the best one, um, but obviously he went to the Lakers. Just doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't know. I is there anyone that you think right now, off the top of my head? I just genuinely don't think there's anyone that really moves the needle for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've kind of been checked out. So I mean, the only one that I would have thought uh, the Cavs may be interested in is Gallinari. Right? Um, Gallinari was a bio candidate. He went to. Or was it was it Gallinari or Sarich? I can't remember the two. I mean, Sarich. Okay, it's Sarich. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Cavs need to the Cavs need a big of some sort. It seems like, um, but I mean, how are you going to find how are you going to find a stretch big? You know, that's probably one of the most valuable commodities in the NBA. So, um, you know, it's it just hard to see anybody that moves the needle. I mean. Uh, I mean, hell, the answer to ca- the Cavs problem is probably just play Dean Wade more. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy how they're not really doing that. I mean, it's just crazy that they had such a great formula before the All Star break, and then they're going to they're reverting back to what they did last year, essentially to start start it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you make of what do you make of Struess's struggles? Uh, over the course of the season started off really nice. I mean, he's still playing okay and he's, he's a smart player. So he knows how to, he knows how to tread water, but I mean, uh, what do you make of his his, sort of his shooting struggles? Um, uh, as of late. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not too, too concerned. I think his hot start was kind of, um, I think it was just maybe he was playing out of his mind to start the year, which was great. Um, but 
I'm not too concerned because he still does have those games where he just will light it up. And even tonight, he missed you know all his f- field goal attempts, but he found ways to get Evan Mobley and Jared Allen going. I think he had four or five assists. That looked really nice. Um, so, I mean, I know he's not doing – he's not the crazy volume shooter that maybe he – the Cavs thought they were getting, but he kind of is better at kind of the other things that, um, you know, were under the radar when, you know, they, they acquired him. But I do think he, he still does have gravity, which allows him to kind of make an impact positively, even though he might not be shooting at that great. Um, so, and you actually, you were right. It was Gallinari who signed with the Bucks. My bad over that. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's probably washed, to be honest. So, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. Uh, so when we come back, let's uh, examine the NBA landscape uh, as we sit post All Star break and um, everybody making the playoff push. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs the podcast. It's the Korean Takeover. Chris Francis with Elijah Kim, and uh, we're talking. Uh, bigger picture now. Uh, we're post All Star break. Um, teams are going to be ramping up and jockeying for position. Uh, we've kind of got our basket of contenders uh, moving forward. So, uh, what do you what do you make of the NBA landscape right now? Who who are your contenders right now? Who you, and uh, who who do you think could make a move uh, to into the contender realm uh, post All Star break? Yeah, I mean, the West is just a total bloodbath. Um, I think it's crazy that the Thunder and Timberwolves are one and two um, with like 40 wins already. Um, That's crazy to me uh, how good those teams are. But I just don't feel like they're true contenders as even though (laughs) that's weird saying that as they have the best record in the NBA by or the second and third best a record after the Celtics. Um, so on the West, what do, you, just, what, what do you, what, um, why do you not believe in them? Uh, I think for the thunder, they're just like a year away from being true contenders. Um, I know it's maybe that's very close minded thinking, but I'm still believe that like young teams have to go through kind of the, the pains of team construct to be a contender. Um, I think right now, if gun to my head, I think the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Suns kind of are the 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 top three contenders from the West for me. Um, no, uh, no love for Dallas or Golden State Lakers. Ah, oh, man. I mean, I want to believe, but. Those guys are so far down in the standings that if they have like, you know, I think they'll all make the play in. So the play in in the West is going to be insane because as as of right now, it's the Kings, Mavericks, Lakers, and Warriors. And my goodness, that would be an amazing play in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think candidly, though, I think all those, I think the Lakers and Warriors definitely need to try to avoid the play in at all costs. Um, but they're like four games out of that. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. I think the Warriors are playing a really great ball, um, you know, right before the All-Star break too. And, I mean, you can't count them out just because of who they are, and you can't count the Lakers out either. But it's just it's just tough to say, can, can I say wholeheartedly, I think they're contenders. I mean, they are who they are. Their records aren't. They're barely over 500 for a reason right now. Sure. Uh, circling back, Timberwolves. Why, why no belief in them? Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Scarred from that series with the Clippers? Uh, I, just, I, just, I just think he's too easily schemed out. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, Anthony Edwards is just so good that I don't – I don't know. I mean – could he surprise us all and do great? Um, be great in the playoffs, maybe. Um, and you know, I think quietly, Carl Anthony Towns is playing pretty well too. Um, yeah, he shares you know a lot of time with Gobert, but he's shooting 
lights out from three and he's, uh, you know, still very efficient and he's kind of, he's passing the ball still, he's still moving the ball. So it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, how he's quietly, um, still being pretty good. Um, Gobert, on the other hand, it's just tough. I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know how to trust him in the playoffs, especially all the failures of the Jazz. It's just hard for me to really believe that in the West. And it's just, to be honest, it's just crazy in the West because, you know, I think the Cavs would be, like, tied for third there, but they're second in the East by a pretty decent margin, you know, from the rest of the pack. But the West is just kind of... There's a top four, and then like five through eight is like a bloodbath right now, and then like nine and ten um, are a bloodbath. Um, so the West is just brutal to kind of see who's going to really emerge out of that picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So skipping over to the Eastern Conference, so who are the contenders? Uh, who could be contenders? Is it just Boston and everybody else, or what? Is in are we back to the days where the Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference? Not according to the All Star Game. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside, um, I think the Bucks are contenders. I think the Celtics are definitely con- obviously the Celtics are contenders. Um, the Knicks, Sixers, and Cavs and Heat. I think they all could be contenders. Um, I know that's a very big list, but it kind of honestly depends on matchups for me um, for those, you know, all those teams. Um, Like as it stands today, the Cavs are the two seed, but they're only a game ahead of the Bucks. Uh, They're two games ahead in the loss column. Um, You know, the Bucks could, you know, be a, a three seed. Um, I think the Bucks will be a two or three seed. I think the Cavs could probably will probably end up being a two or three seed. The Knicks are interesting because they are battling through some injuries, and that's why I think they could sneakily be a contender. And obviously, the 76ers um, with Embiid, you know, that's a huge question mark. I don't really see it for a situation where maybe they can hang on and. Um, be contend a true contender without him, but the Heat, I think you just can't ever rule out in the East. So for me, I think the clear contenders are the Celtics and the Bucks, and kind of the potential contender list is pretty long. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. What, what's it going to take for the Cavs to reach that contender status for you over the course of the rest of the season? Yeah, they can't tread water. I mean, they only have, what, 20... How many games do they have left? So 24 games left, it looks like. Wow, that's not a lot. Oh, no, sorry, 20... I can't do math anymore. They have 26 games left, so... Yeah, I just don't know. Just don't know what... I mean, with 26 games left... You get to go if you go five hundred. You get to you know fifty wins this year. That's pretty good. But I kind of think that you know you can't coast like the Cavs did last year. That's just one thing they have to really avoid this year. Um, for me to see if they're contenders, they have to get back to kind of being that hot team. I'm not saying they have to be eighteen and two, but I do think they have to uh, kind of play a style that's more conducive to winning. And they had the blueprint of being a contender it just blows my mind that they went away from it to start off the all-star break yeah do you think that the 26 games is enough to get garland and mobley up to speed i think mobley's almost there i think it's more on garland to be honest um but yeah i think i think they have enough time to do that um i think i have enough time to get in the rhythm i do think Part of it is they have to figure out, you know, how do they really maximize uh, uh, Garland, especially given the current, you know, make what got the Cavs there in that hot streak so far. I think that's still the biggest domino, but um, I think the Cavs 
have enough time to figure out. I think they're going to have to continue to stagger Garland and um, Mitchell and Allen and Mobley and just kind of ride which one, whichever one's hotter, to be honest. And we need more of Jimmy Dean Wade because just every number, the eye test, all just proves that he should be playing more than the Ng, and it still just isn't happening. Yeah. The interesting thing, I just checked the numbers. Basically, Garland's struggling by himself. I think he's a minus. The Cavs are a minus two when he's on the court without Mitchell. With Mitchell, he's a plus eight, and uh, Mitchell alone is like a plus 11. So that's a very interesting thing that uh, Garland's really struggling without Mitchell so far this season. What do you make of that? Um, Mitchell being on the court just makes everyone better. I mean, I think that's... <laughs> How about the Mitchell answer. MVP agenda? Let's freaking go, man. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why he sat two games to show that the Cavs are nothing without him. <laughs> but all kidding aside... Well, you, you, think, you think he's into no, LeBron mind no. trips and stuff like that? <laughs> no, but, you know, it's funny because he did go on NBA Today and he was very proud. He's like, I should be, you know, in the, in the top three, top four guy in the MVP and I'm, you know, barely in the top ten. So... He's absolutely right. He is right. I mean, the Cavs are the two seed in the East and have... Like the fifth best record in the NBA, he's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So you you've heard it here first. We've been on the MVP agenda for a while now, and it's time for it to get more steam. Uh, so what are what are our predictions for uh, the postseason? Do we have any predictions that we want to make? Any matchups that you like for the Cavs? Uh, Pacers or Magic. Are my dream scenarios? Why my my nightmare? Uh, I think they're. I think those teams are really young, and the Pacers. Their offense is great, but their defense is atrocious. Um, and I think that's where the Cavs could take advantage of them. Um, the Magic. I feel like the Cavs have their number. Obviously, they just lost to them without Mitchell, but. I do think the Cavs, saw, you know, the Magic are interesting because they they're so big, but the Cavs actually match up really well because they play Jared Allen and Mobley together, which can kind of neutralize that big lineup, the Magic run. Um, so that's why I'd that my dream matchup is probably the Magic, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like the real mismatch between the Magic and the Cavs are Mitchell and Garland, really. Like, that's true. They, they, they just don't have guards over. that are that good. Yep. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your expectation for the Cavs? Like at this point, what do you, what's your sense of what they should be doing in the postseason? And we just heard JB talk about playoffs aren't making the playoffs isn't good enough this year. They've got to do something in the playoffs. So what do they got to do? They got to win a series. Just one. You there? Uh, yeah. It, they just have to win. The first round, I think, because it really depends on matches who you're playing the second round. If you're if you're playing the Bucks in the second round, I don't think anyone's expecting the Cavs to win that one. If you're playing, uh, you know, Boston in the second round because the Cavs fall to a four seed, I don't think anyone expects them to win that. And if they lose the Celtics, I don't think you can deem that a failure of a season. Um, so I think definitely winning a first round series. Um, is a must, and if not, it's there's no one to blame but themselves. If uh, you know, there's needs to be major shakeup with the team. Yeah, yeah. Do you? So, what I'm hearing you basically say is really it's the Celtics and the Bucks who are ahead of the Cavs at this point. What do you make of a, a Cavs Knicks hypothetical matchup? Uh, Mitchell Robinson, I believe, is out for the season. Correct. I think he's out for a considerable portion. I um, let me see. Hot googling action. All right. Uh, there's optimism he could return late in the. Well, they applied for the exception, but it sounds like he might be able to make. He's likely out for the season. That's what they've said. Okay, but we'll see. Yeah, the Knicks are actually very injured right now, so it'll be interesting to see what. 
um, that matchup, especially isn't OG Ananobi also out still right now? I believe um, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. It's just crazy. They were so hot. Um, but he is expected to, him and uh, Julius Randle are expected to get back. But obviously, I think if Mitchell Robinson's not out, is not playing, I do feel a little bit more confident. Although I do feel like Jalen Brunson has kind of the mental edge on Spida um, right now. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I would agree, like, in terms of uh, it really does seem like Brunson and uh, Mitchell Robinson are kind of the Cavs kryptonite. And hard rock, of course, that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, sure, we, yeah, sure. yeah, no, we will see. Uh, any Western Conference predictions? Who you like? <sighs> I, I really like, uh, I think, the Suns. Yeah. And I like the Nuggets a lot, and they would have to play each other in the first round as it stands now. But you like the Suns, huh? I do. I just think the star power is just too good, and they finally have some time together and chemistry together. Um, that being said, I I still think the Nuggets. I would pick if I had to pick one team right now. I think I'd pick the Nuggets to come out of the West. Yeah, to me, it's Nuggets, Clippers, and then everybody else. It appears to me. Not a bad guess. The only thing that kind of scares me about the Clippers is um, health, honestly. Sure. Cause, yeah. Because Paul George and Kawhi almost like they always miss games for something. Um, so that's that's like my biggest uh, question with those guys. Yeah. I, honestly, I'd make the same argument for the Lakers and Warriors. It seems like age and injury is really what – is capping their ceilings and, and not letting them get to that next gear. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely feel like there's some kind of, they're not aging very well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the West shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, uh, Eli and I are working folks. So we're going to wrap this up early. Uh, you have anything to pitch? Man, uh, I don't know if we're going to pod before this uh, a week from now, but I I treated myself, and I actually will be sitting about two or three rows up for the Cavs-Knicks game uh, on Sunday, a week from today. Nice. So I'm going to pitch myself. I'm still debating what to wear. Um, Oh, it's got to be the gold jacket, baby. (laughs) 24 karat gold, baby. Uh, We'll see. Um, Maybe the gold jacket. I also got a Spida sweatsuit that my brother got me for Christmas that I like. yeah. You were looking fly in that shit. (laughs) I might have to wear both because i mean i think the sweatsuit's like a neutral color so yeah um, but we'll see um but i'm super excited to go um i used to make I sure you check yeah. out eli's instagram <laughs> yeah i'll definitely be sending tweets i'm planning to go early and try to see warm-ups and all that so nice uh, but taking the lady to do that and uh beautiful got some you know really excited to see that one um but, yeah, I guess I'm pitching myself to please check me out on TV and grab screenshots for me if you see me with a gold jacket. <laughs> we love some shameless self-promotion. That's yeah. awesome. A uh, couple things I'll pitch. Uh, I'm excited for Dune 2 whenever that comes out. I think starting- it's in, like, two weeks or yeah. March, like, first week of March, too, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. I like the first one, interested in the second one, finally. Um, you really, you like the first one? I thought it was way too slow. It was all right, you know. It build the it would build the world out, you know. I, I ate some THC gummies prior to that that probably enhanced the enjoyment of it. So <laughs> that probably has a big part of it, yes. <laughs> so no, I enjoyed it. It was nice. It was it, it was interesting. Uh, I what I was really mad about, honestly, the 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 worst part about it was that I wanted to see the sequel immediately, and it's taken freaking forever to get to it so that was yeah, really I, the worst part of it i'll just be honest it was way too slow for me i i didn't enjoy the first movie um but i can understand i mean it sounds like there's a very intricate plot involved so um i get it and the visuals are obviously amazing so yeah yeah second thing i'll pitch um is uh 
the restaurant I work at these days, uh, I picked up a job downtown, uh, downtown Cincinnati at Shanghai on Elm, a Chinese restaurant for late night eats. It's a, it's a uh, legendary uh, spot in Cincinnati. They used to have they used to have a location at another place in downtown, but they uh, they had to move. They were forced to move to a new location, but it's a, been a Cincinnati institution for several decades now um, and uh, is definitely the place to go if you want some late night food. You know, Cincinnati's not exactly um, not exactly a nightlife uh, nightlife uh, supportive, but uh, this has been a, you know, uh, an institution of the late night life down in Cincinnati. So, uh, if you, if there's any locals, uh, come on in, mention CTB and I'll try and hook you up. So, uh, I know the bartender well, so, uh, come on down if you, uh, need some food, some late night Chinese downtown Cincinnati. What time are you guys open until? Uh, we're open until midnight during the week and 2 a.m. on the weekends. Wow. Yeah, wow. so pretty late. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, where else are you going to go in Cincinnati that late, you know? I don't know. Montgomery, <laughs> Montgomery Inn or something. Maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. no. They're not open anymore. I think those are all not doing great. Or the one in Columbus got shut down. Oh, definitely. So yeah. Down. No, and they closed. I think they closed about 9 or 10 o'clock at night. So they, they're. Yeah, I was joking about the late night. Yeah, yeah, that, so. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get you to come down to the riverfront. Yeah, we'll Brother. see, man. We'll yeah, bring see. the bring the lady. We'll see. We'll see. We need to. We need to. Uh, we need to size her up. Make sure she's good enough for our boy Eli. Hey, she got. We went to a Cavs game together, and she passed. The she test passed the 100%. test. Yeah, 100%, oh, nice. so. <laughs> she she wore a matching mobile jersey. Me, oh, so think, you guys matched. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god, that's beautiful. So, uh, I hear I wedding bells. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just giving Eli a hard time. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Well, hopefully the Cavs. Uh, hopefully the Cavs end this uh, end this post All Star break with a dominant stretch again. So that's that's hopefully what's in the cards for them. But uh, yeah, you no. and I both. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So until next time, folks, uh, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.